Turn in your Bibles, please, to Ruth chapter 2. Ruth chapter 2. We are continuing our series in the book of Ruth. Ruth chapter 2. We have, just to catch you up on where we've been, chapter 1 is all about the introduction to a broken family. A broken family that has gone to Moab, and they have since come back. Naomi and Ruth have made it back. They are both widows at this point. Both of their husbands have died in the country of Moab, and they, upon hearing that God has provided bread in the land of Israel again for them, they have now come back to their old home in Bethlehem, Ruth being this first time for her in the land of Israel because she is a Moabite. She is a pagan woman in the land of Israel. And we pick up the story in Ruth chapter 2, verse number 1, and we'll read down through verse number 13. Ruth chapter 2, verse number 1, we'll read down to verse 13. If you don't have a Bible, the verses will be up on the screen for you as well. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says there was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him, in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. The Lord repay your work, and a full reward be given you by the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. Then she said, Let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me, and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. This is God's word. The title of the, service this, uh, the, title of the sermon this morning is A Non-Random Act of Kindness. A Non-Random Act of Kindness. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today and ask for his blessing upon the message. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wonderful singing and the worship that has already taken place this morning. We pray today that you would Fill your people's hearts with your word and your spirit. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Yesterday, February 17th, if you didn't know, was National National Random Act of Kindness Day. 
I don't know if you knew that or not, but the random act of kindness has been occurring every year. There's actually an organization called the Random Acts of Kindness Organization. They're a nonprofit, and they encourage people every year on this day and on events throughout the year to pay it forward. Do a random act of kindness for somebody just unexpectedly. Do something nice for somebody just because. You can do things like pay it forward at a drive through You can buy flowers for somebody. You can change somebody's flat tire. You can donate food at a food pantry. You can compliment a colleague on their work during the week. You can try this out. You can let a car merge in front of you. Imagine that. You can give a gift to your new neighbors. You can pay the bus fare for somebody that doesn't have enough change on them. Lots of things that you can do randomly as acts of kindness. We come to the text today that there just happened to be a lot of coincidences happening. There just happened to be a lot of random things, seemingly, that God has orchestrated in the life of Ruth. There just happened to be a close and wealthy relative of Naomi living in Bethlehem. There just happened to be a time of barley harvest. Boaz just happened to come out and to take notice of Ruth, and he just happened to commit an act of kindness toward Ruth. But in all things we know this, church, we know that God, with God, there is no coincidence. There is no randomness with the kindness of God. We see that Boaz demonstrates God's kindness to Ruth in a non-random way, although it may seem random to Ruth at the time. But we know that from the circumstances and from the story to follow, that this was no random act of kindness at all. Boaz is being used as an instrument of God, and indeed, he represents the kindness of God in this story. We could say it this way, strangers are welcome in the kingdom of God. What must we take away from this text? What is the sermon in a sentence, if you would? And it is this, we must understand God's kindness to us while we were strangers. If you're a Christian this morning, maybe it's been a little bit too long since you've reflected on the fact that God has saved you from a life and eternity apart from Him. Maybe it's time for you to remind yourself just how good God has been and to look at the circumstances of your life as not just random acts of kindness from God Almighty or random things that have happened to you, but as you look back upon your life's events, you think to yourself and you see God has had a hand in everything from the time I was born to this moment now. I want us to look this morning at three truths about God's kindness to us. Three truths that we can glean, as Ruth gleaned from Buzz's field, of God's kindness to each and every one of us sitting in the room today. The first truth that I see about God's kindness is this. God's kindness leads us to His field. God's kindness leads us to his field. I want you to notice first that the owner of the field is Boaz. Look at verse number one. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, in the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. Boaz is introduced in chapter two. He is a very wealthy man. He is a very influential man, and he is a very godly man. If you will take notice in verse number four, it says, now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. This was not just any random 
man. This was a man that was wealthy, but he was not just wealthy. He was also the relative of Naomi and Ruth. Boaz is introduced in the story this morning as somebody that comes and the author hints that there is something more that Boaz is going to do good for Ruth. We will not get to the rest of the story in chapters 3 and 4 today, but the author is slowly introducing us to the fact that Boaz is no ordinary individual. This is not random chance that Ruth has happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. Boaz is very clearly being framed by the author in this book to be an instrument of the providence and the sovereignty and the kindness of God. Boaz is the owner of the field, but notice also that Ruth takes the initiative in verse number two. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. Uh, Naomi's response is this, and she said to her, go, my daughter. Remember when we left Naomi the previous week? Remember how bitter she was? We get this picture from just this response to Ruth that Naomi is sitting at home, despondent, waiting for whatever will happen to happen to her. She's discouraged. She doesn't know what to do. And at the time that Ruth is probably feeling the same way, she takes the initiative and she says to Naomi, let me go to the field. Let me go glean. Let me go figure out something that we can eat. Maybe the person that owns this portion of the field will find favor with us. She's contrasted here. She's, uh, she goes to glean and gleaning, if you're not familiar with the practice, it was a provision that God inserts it into the Old Testament law, specifically in Leviticus chapter 19. He says, when you reap the harvest of your field, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, and you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God." God had a way of taking care of the poor and the needy and the vulnerable in the economy of ancient Israel. He did not forget about the poor and the orphan and the widow. God left a provision in the Old Testament law, and Ruth is now taking advantage of this law. She takes initiative, and then you also see the noticing by Boaz. The first interaction that we have with Ruth and Boaz is in verse number five. It says, Then Boaz said to his servants who was, in the charge, uh, who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? I want you to notice something. Boaz didn't ask who Ruth was. He asked who Ruth belonged to. Who do you belong to this morning? If you're a Christian, you belong to God. If you're not a Christian, you belong to the devil. Who do you belong to this morning? He didn't ask who Ruth was. He asked who Ruth belonged to. One commentator says this, Boaz asked a natural question regarding what husband, father, or family this unknown woman was connected to. You see, all of us have an identity that is more than just ourself. All of us have an identity that is connected to a larger family. And it is who you decide your family is going to be that determines your eternal destination. Are you a citizen of heaven or are you a citizen of this world? Are you a citizen of Moab or are you a citizen of God? Who do you belong to this morning, church? 
Albert Einstein is said to have said this. He, he said, a coincidence is a miracle in which God prefers to remain anonymous. There are no coincidences here in this t- passage. It wasn't just a coincidence that Boaz was related to Naomi. It wasn't just a coincidence that a friend or a neighbor has introduced you to Jesus. It wasn't just a coincidence that God led you to Jacksonville, nor was it a coincidence that you can look back in your life and see each and every situation and circumstance where God has had his fingerprints all over your life. Where is God leading you to next. He has led you to this field. The kindness of God has led Ruth to Boaz's portion of the field, and so God's kindness leads us to his field. But I see that God's kindness not only leads us to his field, but I also see that God's kindness leads us to everything we need. God's kindness gives us everything we need. Look at verse number eight, if you will. Then Boaz said to Ruth, you will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young women. He tells Ruth in verse number eight not to go anywhere else. He tells her, you've got everything that you need right here. She might have had more luck going to a different field, She might discover that there was more sheaves to be gleaned from in the other parts of the field. She might have found that it was not as busy in that corner of the field over there where there was fewer gleaners. But regardless of what Ruth saw, Boaz tells her, you've got everything you need right here. Don't go anywhere else. He gives her an affectionate address, verse number 8. Boaz calls Ruth my daughter. This term points out the fact that there was, in fact, a very, very large age disparity between the two. Boaz, at this point, would have been a much older man. Ruth, presumably, was a younger woman, still eligible for marriage. But he calls her my daughter, but it is much more than indicating the age disparity. It is also a particularly affectionate term, especially for a Jewish man to call a Moabite girl his daughter. Boaz sees something in Ruth that is attractive to him. Boaz sees Ruth and he thinks to himself, I need to take better care of this woman. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, we see ourselves as well as God has called each of us by name. He has called each of us affectionately. He says, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. We are sons and daughters of God, just as Boaz calls Ruth the first time he sees her, before she even knew who he was, he calls her my daughter. Before you ever knew God, before God ever entered into your life, he knew who you were. He knew you and he called you by name. Though you did not know what was happening at the time, God has always been pursuing you. He has always been after you. He has always loved you. He gave her an affectionate address, but he also gave her an advantageous position in verse number nine. It says this, let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? Go after them. In verse number seven, the servant reports to Boaz that he told Ruth that she could go and glean after the reapers among the sheaves. Gleaners were not supposed to do this. Gleaners were 
Uh, poor people, they were to stay far enough away from the landowner's interest. They were only supposed to go to the corners and gather what they could that was left over, that was left uncut from the scythe of the reapers. Gleaners had no business at all being anywhere this close to the sheaves. And to ask uh, to be able to be so close to the reapers was as proverbially as one author puts it, to ask the cat to guard the milk. You do not come so close to the sheaves, and this is what Boaz does for Ruth. Boaz tells Ruth, you don't need to go to the far corners of the field. No, stay right here, right close to my reapers. That way, as soon as they swing that blade, and if they miss anything, you can gather some of the barley for yourself. It is no accident that he let her have this advantageous position, but he also gives her an assured protection. He says, have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? It's very possible that in these days the reapers were in charge of making sure the landowner's interests were protected. For the landowner to have his field out here and to have his employees reap the field for him, he would have wanted as much of his crop to be harvested as possible. Therefore, he would have charged his employees to uh, not just harvest the crop, but also beat back anybody who would want to take from his crop. And so with Ruth getting so close to the reapers, she would have been in danger of these reapers pushing her back violently. These poor people that had nothing else, they would have been so desperate as to try to steal some of the sheaves. They would have been so desperate as to try to take more of what the landowner in the goodness of his heart would have allowed them to take. And these reapers would have beat them back with clubs, with their fists, violently to keep the landowner's sheaves from being stolen. And he gives her this protection. I've told my reapers that they ought not touch you. You have free reign over everything that is mine, an assured protection. But he also gives her an accessible refreshment. Look at verse number 9 again. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. Boaz gives Ruth access to a water pot that was meant only for the reapers. Uh, to understand how significant this is, is imagine this field which is far outside the gates of the city. The reapers are out there. It is in the Middle East. It's during harvest season. The sun is beating down on the backs of everybody that's working out in the field. And you, have, you would have wanted a drink of water from time to time to, to, to parch your thirst, to quench your thirst, and then go back to working for your master. And as such, the jar of water was closely guarded. It would have been jealously guarded, as one author puts it, because to let the gleaners and the poor people drink too much from the clay pot would have required one of the landowner's employees to go all the way back to the city where the well was, draw some more water, and then bring it back to the field. It would have cost them far too much time, too much daylight. It would have redirected their efforts from focusing on the task at hand to draw more water from people that they did not care about. And yet, Boaz gives Ruth access to this water. Boaz gives incredible kindness to Ruth. He did not have to do this for her. He lets her drink his water. He lets her glean behind the reapers. He calls her his daughter 
and he gives her an advantageous position from where she can glean behind the reapers, he gives her access to his own personal water supply. Oh, this reminds me of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has given us access to living water that will always quench our thirst. That way, we will never thirst again this side of heaven. John chapter 7, verse 37, on the last day, on the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In Revelation 21, 6, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Are you thirsty this morning, church? Have you drunk from the fountain of the eternal water of life from Jesus? Jesus has tenderly called you by name. He has placed you in a position where you have everything that you need. He's protected you from all harm, and He's given you living water free and accessible for everybody. The kindness of God is not random this morning, my friends. From the moment you were born to this very minute, God has been drawing you, He's been pursuing you, and through His Word, He's been pleading with you. If you are not saved this morning, don't go to another field. Stay right here because you have everything that you need. Don't go after other idols. Don't go after other relationships. Don't go after other habits. If you are poor, broken, ashamed today, don't go after other things. God has everything that you need right here. He has friendship for you. He has food for you. He has fulfillment for you. And just as God demonstrates kindness to Ruth here, so God demonstrates his kindness to you. It is not random. It is not by mere chance. And from before you were born, God knew you, and he has a plan for you. The Sleep Country in Canada, or Sleep Country Canada, is a mattress company. They were a company founded in 1994, and they started with four locations in Canada with a mission statement that goes like this. They wanted to transform lives by awakening Canadians to the power of sleep. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of company. They have become Canada's leading retailer of mattresses and bedding, and they have grown to 265 stores all across Canada and even some locations here in the U.S. And their famous slogan goes like this, why buy a mattress anywhere else? And so I ask you today, why look for fulfillment anywhere else? Why look for salvation anywhere else? Why look for the goodness of God anywhere else? You have everything you need right here. God's kindness leads us to his field. God's kindness gives us everything we need. But finally, we see this morning, God's kindness compels us to be thankful. Look at verse 10. So she fell on her face, bowed down to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Very quickly, three things that we should be thankful for this morning. Thankful for God noticing us. Ruth falls into a posture of humility down on her face before Boaz, and she questions why Boaz ever would take notice of her. I'm not like you, Boaz. I'm not like your countrymen. I'm not even like your maidservants that you have that is helping uh, to glean this field alongside of the reapers. 
She's not of the children of Israel. She is from a totally different country, totally different culture, totally different religion. She is not owed anything at all from anyone. Can I say this morning that God has taken notice of you? Though we are undeserving, though we did not know him, though we do not ever seek after him in our lostness, God has taken notice of us in our struggle, in our sin, in our brokenness. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things in heaven and things in earth, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies of God by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and without reproach in his sight. Well, God has noticed us this morning, my friends, but we should be thankful also for the faith that saves us in verse number 11. And Boaz answered and said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. You've left your father and your mother in the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Boaz says, I've heard everything about you. People have been talking to me about you, Ruth. You may not know me, but I know you. And I know that you went out on faith to follow your mother-in-law, Naomi, after your husband died, after your father-in-law died, after your brother-in-law died, leave, leaving your father and your mother, your house, your land, everything. And you came here. God sees the faith of those who reach out to him, even though they may not know everything about him. You don't have to know everything about God to understand that God's been good to you. Has God not been good to each and every one of us this morning? The faith that saves us, this verse reminds me in the New Testament of Romans chapter 3, verse number 11, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. It is not through the goodness of Ruth, lest we make the mistake of thinking that it is Ruth's meritorious acts that allowed her to come into favor with Boaz. No, it is the simple, childlike reaching out in faith. She knew that there was nothing left for her in Moab, and so she decides if Naomi's going back to Israel, and she despises and is bitter against that God, and yet still goes back to him, there's got to be something more to this God that I do not know. I think I'm going to follow him. You don't have to know everything about God. You don't have to understand him. All you have to understand is that God loves you. He gave his son to die for you, and he invites you this morning to come into reconciling fellowship with him through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. You can have forgiveness and eternal life with him forever. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We should be thankful this morning for God noticing us. We should be thankful for the faith that saves us, but we should also be thankful for the grace shown toward us. Look at verse number 13. Then she said, let me find favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. 
the verse, and nearly every, trans, every other translation as well, says, let me find favor in your sight. And perhaps a better way to say this would be, you have been so gracious to me. You have been so gracious to me, God. I didn't deserve it. I am not like one of your maidservants. I'm not like one of your own people, yet you went out of your way. You gave me your water. You allowed me to come behind your reapers. You let me go where nobody else has ever been allowed to go before, and I did not deserve it. Furthermore, I'm not even part of your people. Why have you done this for me? I can't help but notice that this is the first good thing that has happened to Ruth since the death of her husband. Her husband dies in Moab. Her life goes downhill. She has a bitter mother-in-law. They trudge back to Bethlehem and they sit despondently in their house and Ruth thinks to herself, just maybe I might be able to find some bread. Somebody might be kind enough to let me glean in a field. And she runs right into the arms of Boaz. You might not know God this morning. You might not understand everything that he has in store for you, but you can understand this. God is the best thing that has ever happened to you since you've accepted him and ever since you will go on to glory after this life is over. God's grace has been freely given to us. God's grace, simply put, is his unmerited favor. The, the, the words grace and gracious and favor all go hand in hand here. And so Ruth falls on her face and she says to Boaz, you've been so gracious to me. Let me find more favor. Some people say that she was asking Boaz, can you continue? Let me continue to find favor in your sight. Don't kick me out of your field. Can I say this, Christian? You have no fear of God ever kicking you out of his field. God says, once you make it into my field, you're not ever leaving ever again. You have salvation full and free for all eternity. Welcome to my field. You're here to stay. And the only proper response to God's kindness in the form of his grace this morning is to prostrate ourselves before him in humility and say, Thank you, Lord Jesus. We ought to be thankful for God noticing us, thankful for the faith that saves us, and thankful for the grace shown toward us. Has God not been gracious to you? Polycarp was a man who lived during the second century, and he was said to be the last disciple of the Apostle John. He was the pastor of the city of Smyrna, and was intensely persecuted for the faith in about the second century AD. The Roman consul at the time, presiding over his eventual execution, pleaded with him, Polycarp, if you just deny Jesus Christ, I will let you go free. Just renounce your faith. And Polycarp's famous response before being burned at the stake was this. Eighty and six years I have served him. And he has done me no wrong. How can I deny him now? And Polycarp would go to the stake to be burned, 86 years of age, executed for his faith in Jesus Christ. Does God's kindness mean that much to you? Has God not been so kind as to save you, as to provide for you? as to let you live in a country that allows you to worship him freely, 
Does God's kindness mean that much to you? God's kindness leads us to his field. God's kindness gives us everything we need, and God's kindness compels us to be thankful. I want to end with a song that you may have heard on the radio, but some of the lines go like this, and I think it's particularly fitting for this sermon. If the stars were made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bow in reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. If the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion times. God's kindness ought to make you revel and be thankful for it this morning. God's kindness has led you to his field. God's kindness gives us everything that we would ever possibly need. And God's kindness compels us to be thankful so that we can go out and tell somebody else about his kindness for us.